Hello, and welcome to the Clutch Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, manager of the San Diego Armada. With me, as always, is Sean, manager of the Bethlehem Bombers. It's been a while. We finally got our schedules to line up, um, and here we are. I'm excited to be here, man. I mean, polar power is going on right now, and I am super excited. This player pool is so deep now from all these expansion sets. The league is going to be wild. Yeah, uh, almost. I don't want to say too many options, but definitely enough options uh, for uh, when you're building your team. Um, So, yes, polar power is happening. Uh, You know, everybody's a few games in. I just finished my third game the other day, and um, I, it's it's that nice period where you don't hate your team yet, but you have started to see some of the things that either you kind of maybe regret rostering a specific guy, or you're already starting to shuffle strat cards around, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you start looking around at the other teams and the other coaches and you start worrying about like, you know, did I did I miss the train on anything? And I've clearly missed the train on Aaron Boone this season, apparently. Yeah, I it's funny because I actually tried to get off the Aaron Boone train, um, but after looking through all the manager options, there wasn't another guy that really because I, I have we'll talk about this shortly, but I have a power pitching team and there wasn't really any other managers that really fits and made a lot of sense with the power pitching team um so yeah i i i stuck with boone even though i wanted to get away from him because yeah it seemed like the easy and obvious thing that everyone is doing so maybe there was another route to take but in my case i there wasn't really another option for me yeah i know what you mean matt so the really what i wanted to get into this episode was i really wanted to break down some of the top teams some of the top offensive teams defensive teams and top meta strategy we've been talking about so far make this like a polar power breakdown so you know we're talking about the top metas right now and definitely aaron boone has really come across so far um with 14 of the teams using him as a manager as opposed to the next highest using frank robinson as six managers who i'm using yeah, it's interesting that that many people are still using uh, Frank because a lot of talk, there's a lot of been a lot of chat about how there's so many power die uh, strategy cards. So it's interesting that uh, he's the second most used one. Yeah, so I look, I broke it down and Aaron Boone, there's 14 managers using them. Six are using Frank, six are using Baldelli, and then it's kind of just a scattered few to the rest of it. Um, but really what you're seeing a lot of in the games is what seem, it may be overpowering. It's too early to tell, but Full Monty has really been dominating this draw effect with Aaron Boone. Yeah, Full Monty seems like everybody uses it, whether or not you use Boone or not. But yeah, it's it's interesting because that's something else that, you know, very recently, prior years, it was very hard to really draw through your deck unless you had like golden ratio or a stadium that had an, a draw effect where this year it feels a lot more accessible where you can have, you know, different deck types and different team builds and still draw through a deck, which I think is good because it's, it's it previous is very limiting on you had to have a very specific, you know, team and situation to really draw through your deck where it feels like now you can draw through your deck that you've built to suit your team and the team can fit, you know, a, a wider range of strategies. Yeah, so I, I know what you mean by saying it's very aggressive with the power die, a lot of strategy guards um, for the power die, and I am still using Frank. I'm still using Frank that lets you use the power die until you score a run. 
Um, but that's the way my team's built. My team's meta is built around clutch because I was using New York earlier this year, which was adding clutch to the power die swings, which was obviously very overpowering. Um, but now I am using a team based around switch switch hitters um, with clutch. So I'm activating a lot of the power die, trying to add the clutch to the power die as much as possible. So that's been beneficial to me, but it's really, you know, I don't know if it's worrisome seeing how much Boone is dominating it, but it's definitely taken over the game. And it'll be interesting to see next year when Boone rotates out, you know, what people gravitate towards. And and I, to your point, if if Boone wasn't there, I would have, you know, there's several other candidates that I probably would have gone with. So it's not like Boone was the only option. It just, he was the strongest option for what I, for what I was looking for. So yeah, it'll be interesting next next when he goes away to see who see if it's uh, Frank takes up the mantle and more people go from Boone to to Frank, or if there's some other some other like Rocco. Maybe Rocco gets more popular. I for me the top the interesting uh, kind of thing I've noticed um, it wasn't necessarily it wasn't managers or strategy cards, but it seemed like there was quite a few people that went with the four or five inning pitch starter that had like a mid-range command, so like five, you know, with a handed bonus, and like a really good pitcher's chart, so, you know, 18 or 19 outs, and then uh, pair that with a really strong bullpen with, you know, a couple of, you know, two-inning guys like, you know, Seth Lugo. And so that's that'll be interesting to see how that works because I think you, I think you'll, I think you really like this guy, but Julio Uresis from the Dodgers, he fits that mold. He's been perfect, and that's a that's a perfect transition into the next thing I want to talk about. So I wanted to talk about the three most cards you're excited to play with this season, and Julio Urias is definitely my number one guy. Like he was on my radar from day one. So he is a command five, you know, which is obviously a step up, you know, from the average four. I guess you see from starters, but the the best part about him is he gets a righty plus one as a lefty, which you don't see every day, because I feel like you see a lot of right-handed bonuses from batters. So it's nice to have a lefty starter like that who also gets that righty plus one, literally giving him like a six command against righties, which is like a top-tier starter to me. I mean, when you're, when you're looking at a command six against righty starters, normally you're looking five, 600, you know, salary. So in addition, he's lefty to that. And like ridiculously, he gets a 19-out chart with a 1x zone and he doesn't give up a home run until 25 which avoids you know giving up a home run with the power die naturally but yes he's coming at that 4 ip which you're talking about which seems to be the new meta possibly going forward it's definitely a meta i'm leaning heavily on um with my starters trying to go a little more bullpen and a little more on that um shorter fringe with the starters but I do still see some teams trying to hang on to the heavy, heavy starters. Cy Young being introduced and Juan Marshall. So it, it's going to be interesting to see if that heavy starter phases out and goes towards this way. So what do you think? I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just kind of my build style for offense that I've been rolling the last couple of the last tournament and now this league. But this, those starting pitchers that have, you know, 18, 19 outs just... I don't know what it is. They just feel so brutally unhittable. And, you know, obviously they are, are better than a 17 or 16 out uh, pitcher. But, yeah, it's only, you're only looking at a 5 or 10% difference between the two. But they, I just deride facing those because I've just had absolutely no luck against those. Even you talk about Julio. I mean, there's even a few. I think um, 
Blake Snell, maybe he's a four command, but he has like 18 or 19 outs. Just I've, I've faced a couple of those guys recently and it's just been absolutely brutal to play against. Pitching is interesting because obviously in real life, you're seeing a shift from, you know, longer starters to starters, you know, throwing fewer innings and, you know, more innings coming out of the bullpen. I obviously, I mean, one of the guys I, one of my guys I'm excited to try out is Jake Arietta. He is the uh, high heat version and he is a uh, righty, uh, five commands as a righty. He gets the L plus one, which effectively you get uh, the bonus for both lefties and switch hitters, uh, which I really like. Uh, 1x, 19 outs, uh, 7 innings pitched, got the K, MVP, and win icon, and 3 clutch uh, for 815 salary. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. I I mean, I, I love, I've kind of fallen for big pitching recently, so I'm pretty biased. I think both are very good strategies, either going you know with the bigger, longer innings pitch guys or the shorter elite guys like Julio. Yeah, so along with the pitching, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if people go towards those heavy starters or start going towards those like those lighter IP guys and go towards the bullpen. But it's obvious that everyone is using Babe Ruth this season. So how are we talking about him? Are we pitching a Babe Ruth or what? No, <laughs> no. Uh, it's interesting. I It was kind of obvious coming into this league that he's not like the most rostered guy, but he is like the most common high salary guy you'll see so i spent a lot of time studying and using you looking at the math for my team specifically for my pitcher specifically but no it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to pitch to him your specific scenario will vary but for me and kind of what i was looking at is basically if there's anybody on base and first base is open you should just walk him i i was looking at the percent chance that a run will score at some point in the inning, if it's you know zero, one, or two outs with no runners on all the way to bases loaded, and the percent difference. So say, like for example, say the guy ahead of Ruth uh, hit a double, right? So there's a, a runner on second. Um, we'll say there's one out, right? So there's one out, runner on second. That runner has a 30, uh, 39% chance of scoring in that inning. If you put a guy on first base, there's now it goes up to a 40% chance of someone scoring that inning, right? And so I look at it like, okay, sure I am increasing the percent that a runner scores by very small amount, and I am also increasing uh the odds that the number of runs that inning will increase, but for me I look at it as those two numbers, the increase in both of those numbers are inconsequential compared to how good Babe Ruth is with one runner on second. So, you know, I would rather your second or third best batter have to beat me than let your first batter beat me, right? Like, you know, if Babe Ruth hits home run off me, it's like, oh, well, yeah, obviously that would happen. But, you know, if whoever you have after him or, you know, whatever, if if you manage to get a, uh, you know, a hit or something with your uh, a lesser tier guy, then, okay, fair enough. Yeah, but what what are the odds when uh, you send them up and your opponent plays Legends Never Die or Hail to the King? So, I mean, your percentages are just going from 39, 40% to just throw it out the window. And this guy's adding four to his swing right now. Or for my fact, uh, I mean, he's in my lineup because I built my team A around switch hitters, number one, because I'm trying to activate the power die as much as possible. And number two, um, I'm going off of clutch. So a lot of my cards... Unfortunately, the the bad part about it is a lot of them do need to be activated in clutch moments. 
But if I'm trying to keep myself in the game, Babe Ruth is up. I mean, I'm adding my clutch to most of my swings and his plus three clutch. I mean, ideally fits in perfect. So, I mean, as much as you want to weigh your options by, you know, a few strategy points, whatever it is. I mean, once strategy cards come in for Babe Ruth, it's just it's all out the window, you know? Oh, yeah, I agree. And for me, I don't even need to hear, you know, if you knew you're going to have a strategy card, I'll just gonna walk him because he with even without strategy cards, you know, even against even against a very good pitcher, the top tier pitchers, you know, like Clayton Kershaw or Jake Arrieta, like his numbers are absurd. So, yeah, especially with Hail to the King and Legends Never Die out there, like I said, he's basically an auto walk for me outside of like, you know, if there's no outs and no runners on or, you know, one out, and no runners on. Basically, if there's no runners on, then I am less likely to walk him. But of course, for me, it's highly dependent on the on the guy behind him. Absolutely, completely. And speaking of that, I mean, we just heard it the other day, the Orange County Aces um, stacks their team with Mike Trout and Babe Ruth and went back to back in that game. So, I mean, that got me thinking, you know, I was thinking about in our league, who are some of the top uh, most offensive powerhouses? And it got me looking, the Orange County Aces, not only do they stack Mike Trout and Babe Ruth back to back in their lineup, they have Alvarez in their lineup as well. Yeah, so as I as I was looking, doing you know, kind of looking into Babe Ruth and how I would uh, face him, basically not that many guys that you could put behind Babe Ruth that would scare me enough to not walk him. I think my final list, I, I think I think there was like five other cards that would scare me to like make me consider maybe I won't walk him and give the next guy behind him plus two on base. I mean, I feel you. I, I back him up in my lineup with Josh Bell. I know it wasn't ideal for me. I was always afraid of using Bell because of the on-base 10. I mean, most of the time you are going to be facing a right-hander, I mean, generally for me, which is nice because he does get that plus three for a 13. Um, but, you know, so it got me thinking of more teams that build their offense other than building it around Babe Ruth. So you got you got to look at the Olympia beers, man. This team, let me tell you, their lineup, Anthony Rendon, who we all know, you know, did hit the walk-off home run in the World Series for, you know, Tony this summer. Then we have Fernando Tatis Jr., you know, batting him at shortstop is absolutely mind-boggling. Then we have Bichette, Acuna, Clemente, and Jermaine Dye. I mean, this team literally, I don't even understand how they can even afford the rest of the roster. (laughs) Yeah, this is actually a really interesting team because, like you said, it doesn't use Ruth. But I really like this approach. It's just so much like like you mentioned Tatis, and I think a lot of people will perhaps you know quickly dismiss his card or like you know, like okay like that's good, but like there's so many other options out here. Um, I think that's a mistake because his Tatis's card is uh, sneaky sneaky good. So that that is a great lineup. I the other interesting uh, one of the teams I saw that was interesting that didn't have Ruth was the Race Point Racers. With Rios, Muncy, Donaldson, Bichette, JD Martinez, and Jordan, uh, that those five that seemed like a really interesting combo as well. So that's an interesting thing that's kind of looking at some of these rosters. Is it's obviously very easy to say, oh, the right way, right lineup is a lineup with Ruth in it. Um, but it's interesting that other people have found other ways that I think are very good and not used Ruth. That is very true. So, I mean, you could go like the heavy, heavy offense approach or the heavy, heavy starting pitching approach, which we've seen a lot of teams do. Um, But one team that I do really like is the Ashbury Jukes, which seems to have a very, um, 
they have a very well-rounded team. So they have Lou Brock, they have Glaber, they have Joey Gallo, who Joey Gallo is like such a mind boggle to me. I mean, the dude hits home runs, but also wins gold gloves. Um, they have Roberto Clemente, Ty Cobb. And you like how I save them for third and fourth. I mean, they have Lou Brock, Glaber Torres, Joey Gallo, and Clemente, and Cobb. And they also have Kevin Kiermeyer, who, you know, obviously we automatically think of the gold glove icon. So that is one of the most well-rounded offensive teams, in my opinion. That's a good one for, uh, you know, going back to Babe Ruth based teams. Uh, a couple of ones that I really like are the Vermont Monarchs. He paired Ruth with uh, Jermaine Dye and then also has Lindor and Renfro in the same lineup. And then also Fed Weezy Fusion. He paired Bichette with Ruth and also has Nevin and Rios in there as well. Oh my God. I love all those icons. I mean, I love with the the deep player pool now as I'm hoping we're really going to start seeing these unique strategies come out with all these people using different icon players and, you know, across the board from, you know, mixing those players in with the historic players. Then again, you know, you just have some of these pitching powerhouses and, you know, I'm even going to bring up your team right now. I mean, I'm looking at your team. You have Clayton Kershaw opening day in your rotation. You have Juan Marichal. You have Steven Strasburg. You have Jake Arrieta, Davies. You even fit Giles into your bullpen, even though I know you didn't go deep in your bullpen. Yeah, so I went with high command, high innings pitch guys. I think Jake, the Jake, new Jake Arrieta card is perhaps better than the Clayton Kershaw card. And that's saying something because the Clayton Kershaw card is very good. But yeah, basically, I wanted very strong starting pitching. Kershaw, Juan, and Jake, none of them have a walk on their chart. You know, all of the icons, you know, even Strasburg has the K and win icon. Giles in the, from the bullpen, um, you know, sometimes you might not hit the Mo or the quality start. So you might need a, a you know, an inning here or there to get the win done. Hey, it makes me feel like we're doing something right because, I mean, I do not, I don't go for that approach. You want to go high command, high innings. I want to go high outs on the pitcher's chart and more effective bang for your buck for the IP because I went with the lower innings pitch pitchers. But I mean, you look at some of our most successful players of all time, you know, and we have Navarre with the Sacramento Panthers. I mean, he's stacking his rotation with Max Scherzer, Strasburg, Marco Gonzalez. I mean, I know he's a Seattle fan, but Annabelle Sanchez. Julio Arias, um, and then he even throws Doolittle Jansen in his bullpen in Hudson. So he's he's all in on the pitching. I mean, part of it is just me kind of being a contrarian of like, oh, you know, everybody's doing Babe Ruth. I'm going to do the opposite of that. But I also felt too is, you know, if you really look through the, the rosters, the people that did go the Babe Ruth option tend to have very weak starting pitching. So I kind of looked at it as, listen, you know, you need really good pitching to go against these big offensive teams. But then on the flip side is, you know, I don't necessarily need this huge massive lineup to score four or five runs, right? Because I'm facing, you know, a a three command guy or four command guy, you know, with three X. I've lost two of my first three games so far. So uh, perhaps it hasn't worked very well yet. But yeah, I think so. It's just kind of a response to that. Yeah, I mean, I I hate to base it off of sample size right now. I mean, it's so early on right now, and we know it's streaky in the season. I mean, I'm pretty sure I started out like 0-3 last year and then finished on like a four or five game win streak. So we know how it can be. One of the other interesting teams I looked at, though, you know, instead of the heavy hitting or the heavy starting pitching, we head over to some of the other teams, the Banger Xenon team with Josh Hader, Dylan Batances, Koji, Lugo in the bullpen. So they're heavy, 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 heavy on the bullpen. Yet he also still fit Babe Ruth and Jermaine Dine to his lineup and Juan Soto. 
Like, I don't know why I'm ignoring those three. So it's not like it's just a heavy bullpen team, but it seems like that might be more of the balance we see going forward is like a pretty heavy offensive team, but you're going to spend more of your, you know, more of your points in the bullpen than starting. I, I even noticed uh, two bro Titans. They have a few good starters. They have Arietta uh, and Trevor Bauer and Wheeler, but then also they have a, a good pen of uh, Rondon, Carlos Rondon and uh, Hunter, Tommy Hunter. Um, so I, I noticed that too, where there was kind of either you kind of just chose really cheap starting pitching, loaded up the bullpen a little bit. You went all out with starting pitching, or there's a few kind of in that middle of a uh, few pretty good slash you know an ace in the rotation and then but the bullpen still has your kind of big guys to get out of tight spots we're constantly seeing the strategy slowly start to evolve kind of like we are in real life too i mean i know 2020 took a toll on that with like shortened double headers and i know in the playoffs we saw teams get like really you know they're starting to get unique over the last few years i mean we know we saw the brewers the other year where they swapped the starter after the start to change up the lineups and stuff i i know we've been trying to keep up with that on our end and it really brought a good fan question um this week um pulled in by one of our very own mike alberts and um i think this has been you know what we've been talking about behind the scenes is what we're doing going forward in clutch how are we adjusting to how baseball is evolving And this question or this kind of statement by uh, Mike was really good. So he said earlier this week, considering that clutch tiredness has resulted in lengthy discussions and rules changes, has there been any thought to analyzing basic tiredness triggers compared to actual MLB usage? So he says, do pitchers average innings pitched really decrease if they've given up four runs or four walks? He's talking about, you know, when our players lose an IP for either giving up four runs or four walks. Um, maybe tiredness should have different triggers and have or worse consequences. Maybe after analyzing stats, it's four runs or six walks, but with a more harsh command and effect. Or is it time to introduce the D16 idea? It might have to continue to be one of those game versus baseball things anyway for balance. Just random outside the box thoughts. So that was a really unique and interesting um, quote by Mike. I know We've been talking behind the scenes going forward how we can adjust to the IP because we're constantly seeing the IP come down. I mean, I know we just put out Cy Young that has nine IP to go, but every year we're seeing less than seven innings pitchers available. So I'll answer it this way. So first is Clutch. We are always looking at, at new things and to try and use as many of the different metrics and statistical categories we have at our disposal. It also goes back to the uh, new tiredness rules we put out this last year. A large part of those changes is we we went back and started looking, especially at multi-inning relief pitchers, and said, okay, you know, Josh Hader, he has a two innings pitched on his card. In real life, how often did he pitch two innings? And so we kind of looked through to see a, how often he you know, would pitch multiple innings, and B, when he did pitch multiple innings, you know, what was his usage after that? Did he have one day off or did he have multiple days off? You know, and then we found that even, even in old school uh, multi-inning pitch guys, they generally didn't pitch every game multi-innings. Generally, if they pitched more than one inning, so if they pitched two or three innings, they usually had several days off after that um, before their next start. So yeah, we're always looking at those kind of things. The D16 will be a dice that makes its way to clutch when and in what fashion. 
is still being debated. But if I was a betting man, I would say you'll see a 16-sided dice sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, the tricky part is, Matt, is you know we're trying to relate with the league. We're trying to relate with people that are obviously here for the deeper understanding of the game, for the complex nuances you know that we talk about. But then we're also trying to grow the game exponentially as well which has obviously been a mixed bag in 2020. So trying to keep the game as simple as possible is ultimately the goal. So if we're getting to a point where, you know, we're relying on people that are new to the game of baseball, you know, God forbid someone new to the game of baseball steps in here and is now having to count how many batters, you know, an individual starting pitcher is going to face, whether that, you know, number be 24, 26, 27, whatever it may be. Like we don't want to throw another monkey wrench in there. That's going to make it difficult and challenging for people to, you know, come enjoy the game of clutch. So that is, um, that's going to be at the forefront. And I know that's the hardest part. Cause obviously if we wanted to make this as accurate as possible, you know, and throw the D 16 wrench in there, you know, right away and really get this game, you know, detailed as possible. We don't want to scare away, you know, a huge fan base. So we want it to continue to grow. So it's as much as I love the D16, it, it does scare me right now because we already have two dice in our game. I mean, three. Oh, me, forget about it. It's that balance of we want to make it as interesting and realistic as possible, but also we don't want to get too realistic because, you know, Stratomatic exists. And if you want super realism, you should definitely check that out because it is an amazing game and it's got dices and charts up the wazoo. To your point, it's for us, it's balancing that. We want this to be a, a simple baseball game that, you know, as many people as possible can play, but also we want to make it realistic within that framework. Of course, of course. But if you're new to baseball, I mean, that game has dices out the wazoo. You don't want to do that. You want to play clutch baseball. We got two die, only two right now, no D16 yet, so not confusing. Only one chart per player as well. <laughs> Only one chart, of course, of course. But I mean, don't open Pandora's box once we start getting all these lost as mojos and inertias and everything and thrown in here. But I mean, we're, we're definitely getting better with it. I mean, it's it, any anything that's come up as a question, I think, has been addressed very quickly this year. I think a lot of the crazy scenarios, you know, that we've gotten caught into is ultimately had a pretty easy solution. So that's a great question, Mike. Yeah, we're always... We're always looking towards the future. You know, we started planning 2021 ideas several months ago. I know, Sean, I, I, we, I, I like it. I'm sure, Sean, you like it too as one of the creators of the game to see people really invested and interested in the game. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited where Clutch is going to go right now. But right now, I mean, we are just so preoccupied with polar power right now with all these Babe Ruths out there and Cy Youngs and stuff. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a wild season. We've already seen some classics so far. And I don't know. I mean, my my strategy going forward, I mean, I don't know if I want to pitch these guys. I don't know if I want to be aggressive right now, but I think we're going to be in for a wild season. Yep. Three games down. Uh, some some people played four. So another at least a dozen or so for everybody. So, yeah, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Um, as always, follow Clutch on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Come join us on the Discord and chat away. We will see you guys next time.